Welcome to Fill in the Blank. I'm your host, Philip Matthew, and I'm here with one of my buddies from uh, Facebook and Twitter. We've uh, been friends for a while on there between the different groups who worked uh, together on the NASCAR show a while back. Uh, he's a way smarter guy than I am, and uh, he also knows about the main topic that we're going to talk about tonight on Fill in the Blank, which is the uh, sim racing uh, game here. Uh, got josh on here what's going on man i'm doing good phil doing good yeah so i mean i usually have a quip i i figure this this week's episode is called uh let's fill in the blank and figure out how you can screw up your career uh episode of fill in the blank and uh that we'll talk about a little later but i wanted to start off because we were having a conversation during the uh Landing Castle Monza race, uh, talking about some of the terms and talking about this iRacing, but different types of uh, sims that exist. You know, I'm a Jimmy Broadbent fan. I don't know what you played. You could talk about that, I, I would say. Uh, but I, I watch Jimmy Broadbent's channel on YouTube. I used to play the old NASCAR, like NRO3 and those games, the Papyrus games, the IndyCar games, that's what I was into. And then I've played console games and stuff. But I haven't been able to get into the sim deal on my end. But you said that you've played iRacing before yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, I first – so, yeah, like um, kind of like my journey on the sim racing was um, like I first got on with, uh, I think, NASCAR Thunder 2004 on PlayStation mm -hmm. – and then I yeah. kind of progressed on to PC with uh, NR03, NR2002, and all of that. And then uh, eventually I got onto iRacing uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, they have different uh, tiers of subscriptions that they have. And I usually uh, had just gone for, like, uh, the, the three-month one and then just, you know, use that for that time period and then maybe, like, wait a couple months and then buy it again. Um, mm -hmm. And... You know, so I, that's kind of my experience with it. I haven't played it in a while, um, but, you know, I definitely have enough experience, you know, to uh, understand how it works. Yeah, and I mean, in your case, you have an engineering and you have, you're a pretty good science guy. So the fact is you can understand both, but not only the computer side of it, but also the mechanics in terms of how the game works and how the cars react, which is one thing that is, I mean, is interesting now that while we are in this uh, lockdown and to a point and, and we're not able to see the real thing, the amount of sim racing that has, has came up or started going on, has uh, ex it's exploded really in the last few weeks, of course, uh, between the Indy cars, the NASCAR, Formula One. You have um, also now also my I'm missing there. Uh, they had an they had a rally one here last week with uh, Pastrana and and people. I mean, there's uh, the World of Outlaws. Too. Yeah, the World of Outlaws yeah. have been, uh, they just started their Wednesday night thing. 
You can also extend it to what like Landon Castle, Joseph Newgarden, two-time IndyCar champion, is doing invitationals. Uh, the Dinner with Racers group is doing their Thursday night blunder, uh, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, if you want to laugh and and watch something that makes no sense, just watch any of those sim races that they have. Uh, they are definitely crazy. Uh, this week they're at Long Beach with all different types of open wheel cars. Uh, so, um, but the thing is unlike the other sports you know you can't you can't play nba 2k and have a real experience playing basketball you can't get on tiger woods golf or whatever the golf game is of now and simulate really playing at augusta you can't go and play madden and really think that you're on the field but in terms of sim racing you could in a lot of ways really truly make it like the real thing and that's where, I mean, there's obvious, obvious things that make it not, you know, the real thing, like the crashing and uh, some of the other stuff and just the terrible driving in some aspects like Clint Boyer. <laughs> but um, like for you, when you started, I mean, I don't know what level, because there's different levels, different licenses you have to get and how far did you get into the game when you were playing it? Did you get to like in whatever the highest license was or what kind of cars were you ending up driving uh, during your time? So I started out, um, well, I ended up just like going on the, the base uh, subscription that they have. Uh, I think uh, it comes with the street socks and there's like seven tracks that you can use. They have uh, Charlotte, uh, USA International Speedway, uh, there's a couple of road courses like Lime Rock Park uh, and mm -hmm. other other tracks, um, but I didn't yeah. really like progress like past that base package that they give you when you sign up because part mm -hmm. of the thing with iRacing is is on top of the subscription that you have to have uh, to play the game, there's also the you know different types of content that you can download like the different tracks, the different cars, but those come at a price. Uh, I don't yeah. remember uh, what exactly the prices were, but you can spend just on the the, uh, the software alone, not you know, not your hardware for your computer and you know, your game controller and all that, but you can spend like up to thousands of dollars um, just on you know playing iRacing, you know, or just on the software. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing that you know, like now that's become a a, a new with this kind of explosion due to where we're at, where we are in society. It's like how cheap can you get in uh, to go and do this? And I would say, like for me, thinking about NRO three when I was, I actually bought it when it was actually it actually came out, and but then it wasn't like I had a steering wheel or anything like that. It was very archaic for me to do it, but I still had fun and it was an, it was a nice thing, but of course I wasn't ever going to break any records. I wasn't going to end up being some sort of like sim racing master of any kind, but it's a cheaper way to do it. And you get a lot of the same feelings and stuff as you could get out of an eye racing. And maybe that's a way to go uh, for people who aren't exactly as well off in I mean, when you consider who owns or runs iRacing, it's the Boston Red Sox owner guy, and he co-owns uh, Roush, Roush Racing. So you kind of know the guy has a lot of money, and when you consider iRacing makes as much money as they probably made in the last month, 
dude can probably build buy another couple of houses based on uh, the amount of, of money you can spend on it. But the the one one key thing that kind of validates uh, these kind of services like iRacing is the fact that you can get these drivers in and you can have that communication with one another, which of course, when you're in a real race car, you're not going to have that. Uh, the only time I could think of that really occurring was during the tandem days uh, at Daytona and Talladega in one sense, I think maybe within teams uh, with radio channels, you can go and do that. But in sim racing, you have the open channels where you can go and talk to not only your own group, your own crew, but you can also go and talk to, uh, you know, the, everybody else that you're competing against and you can start beefing and you can have real issues and, and stuff in terms of that. So, I mean, was, do you have any interesting you know, interactions or stories from your time. Not really. Josh and Wendy. Yeah. Because that's where we're probably, we're going to go into that. I mean, the, what I was, what I was thinking is what have you thought so far about the quality of not only the broadcasts, because we are on the one, we're on Mike's page and uh, that's something that we discuss is what they, the present presentation but also the quality of the racing. What have you thought so far, you know, in general? Because I know you watch all types of racing, but, you know, NASCAR is one of them. But yeah. What have you thought so far? Well, I mean, as far as the broadcasts, I think the broadcasts are a little over the top. Uh, Fox has definitely mm-hmm. done, I think, I think they've tried to make it too real and maybe they've taken it a little too serious where it looks more of like a, a parody rather than, you know, just mm-hmm. a, you know, regular sim race where, you know, the guys are just getting in there just to have fun and, you know, provide some uh, inter- entertainment in this uh, weird time that we're in. Um, I think, yeah. you know, the racing, the racing is actually more um, uh, entertaining, I guess, um, and than the actual real life product, which um, I think that's a re- reflection of how bad NASCAR is. Well, I guess, yeah, how not good in terms of like passing and, and things like that, that NASCAR's had some problems with for several years now, but you know, it's also mm-hmm. I racing, you know, they, you know, while it's, it is a, a good game and it's a, you know, good um, form of uh, entertainment for, you know, both fans and drivers and it's a good training tool. There's also, you know, there's a lot of problems with uh, the physics model and, you know, when you see mm-hmm. the racing um, as close as it is at like, you know, Homestead or Texas where, you know, they're close together in the stock cars and it's not like that in real life and they have the close finishes and, and whatnot. You know, there it's also a reflection that iRacing, you know, doesn't quite have the, the physics model correct, um, especially with uh, aerodynamics and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and you can, I mean, for me, I'm a lay person in that sense. I've just watched the sport for most of my life. And, you know, I have some mechanical savvy based on working on cars and, but I'm no aerodynamicist. I'm not some engineer guy. I mean, you talked about the physics model. What, what do you think is missing or what, what is wrong? 
I mean, I, I get what you're saying because when you consider there's no such thing as a close Texas race really ever in a stock car because I've never really remembered a good stock car race at yeah. Texas in general. Um, Indy cars have been more, you know, based on downforce packages, either with the toilets they used to run, having those pack races, and then when Graham, Graham Rehall uh, won and he held his fist up and almost lost to Hinch, like when that race was a pack race because of the, how the DW12 had those bumpers and all the things like that. Um, it's it's something where, and, and, and also I would say that too, because just that was a good point you made too, because you think about Homestead, you have to run, you have to run the fence at Homestead to run fast. But in the game, you have to run the low line. Yeah. And you try to run the low line in an actual vehicle, you're unless you're on new tires, you're not going to make any time there. So, yeah, I, is that kind of what it is, or is there something within the science of it that can be changed to make it more realistic, or does it really matter? Well, uh, I don't know, like, how much they can change. I, I just know that they probably can do a better job than what they had been. Um, something that you see, mm -hmm. if you kind of like go into the iRacing uh, world, um, one of the terms that you're going to see is called the, the new tire model. And that's something that they've had mm -hmm. since I think around 2011, uh, which is actually way before I uh, bought the game and tried playing it or, and had that membership. Uh, but you know they've they've had several revisions of that new, new tire model. I think on they're like on their seventh version, and it's still uh, from what I can gather from social media and other places, it seems like they still haven't gotten it uh, to where um, it's a, a good product uh, and, and the experience. Because mm -hmm. um, generally, what I've what I've from uh, what I've gathered is uh, people online or like before, I guess maybe the latest one that they put out. Uh, there's a lot of, um, I guess, the way that people drive isn't, you know, the right way. Um, it's like you, you've got mm -hmm. to drive like qualifying laps, essentially, rather than, you know, like l allowing the tire to, you know, slip through the corner and you know, have that controlled slide. Because like in iRacing, like it, it's like, you know, cold tires are what bring the fast laps uh, historically in, in that game. You know, in real life, you know, it takes, mm -hmm. um, like when you're in a race, it takes a couple of laps to warm up the tires and really lay down some fast laps. Whereas in iRacing, like you basically have to be on cold tires and it, you know, it hasn't um, simulated uh, tire wear properly where you can, you know, warm up the tires and, and run uh, laps like you would in real life. Um, but I think on the latest version, they've started to kind of correct that, but I'm, I'm not sure because um, I'm not, you know, I'm not subscribing to it right now, no, but yeah. I think, and on some of the cars that they've rolled out the new tire model or the the seventh version of the new tire model, I think um, they've started to incorporate some of that. And I guess like the last, I'll, I'll bring up like two things uh, that I saw uh, lately on social media uh, or, or on YouTube. Um, one is uh, Joseph Newgarden was actually talking about um, the differences between the sim and the real life. And that was one thing that he talked about was being able to slide the car in real life where, you know, you have that controlled yeah. slide when you're cornering and you're able to, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
manipulate the grip with how you um, you know, attack corners. Whereas in iRacing, you have to drive very precisely, um, you know, according to what the game thinks you're going to do. And uh, another thing that I saw was, um, I guess they they figured out an exploit because in qualifying, and if you notice this on the pit road, all pit road looks uh, black, like they've done burnouts on the pits. I don't know if you've seen that on the broadcast. And yeah. the reason that is, is because they found an exploit where if you basically like from the time that you leave pit road in, in the qualifying session um, to your second uh, flying lap that you had, if you basically just like steer the car back and forth and, and create traction, uh, it allows you uh, to build up heat in your tires enough to you know, lay down that one fast lap. And, you know, you don't have to like, you know, just roll off pit road. You just basically do a burnout for like a lap and a half to, you know, raise up the tire temperatures. And that's, I guess that's a new exploit that they, uh, you know, that they've brought or found out recently. And, you know, it's like, well, we have all these problems and, you know, people are saying, oh, this is, you know, the best thing that you can have for, you know, your $99. And, and you know, all the broadcasters are saying like, this is as, you know, close to the real thing as you're ever going to get uh, for the fan. And, you know, all the, you know, drivers are, publicly saying the same thing they're endorsing the product you know and the you know it's not it's not a perfect product at all you know mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's that i you brought up the good point with like the burnouts and stuff i think that came up early on with the the nascar deal uh i also have seen it with the race uh where they have the r factor I, I forgot to mention that earlier in the open where they're running and they, they have different types of cars. Last week they had the legends race with the uh, McLaren, old McLarens. Uh, and then they had uh, Norma LMP three cars for the other pro drivers and the SIM pros. And they're doing their they're going and weaving back and forth to warm the tires up so that they can go and get temp because otherwise it's Sebring too. And they were, and it's brutal. The, I mean, it's legit like Sebring, how rough it is. So if you don't have tire temp and you're going to go and haul the mail into turn one and you're hoping that thing's going to stick, you're going right off into the yeah. grass. And so they're trying to warm up the tires. They're trying to do whatever they can, manipulate it so they can get it through. It's the same thing with Cup. But the, the funny thing with the Cup deal is that it's basically been the same uh, people that are qualifying up front. Of course, Will Byron, which is its own separate discussion. Um, they it, it, It's so bad with him that they had to go and pull a promoter's option so that he didn't stink up the NBC series and uh i mean personally as a chase briscoe fan i don't mind of course the one race i didn't watch that week was the one right. that he wins but that's beside the point but the fact is he's been doing this for years and it's in large part why he is where he is right now as a cup series driver for hendrick motorsports other than him being a you know a, a kiss ass and having liberty university and and Exalta sponsoring him. But the, the point I was trying to make is like, there is a, there is definitely a method that you need to have, as you mentioned, 
to be able to make this work relative to actually having the seat of the pants, you know, hands-on real feel uh, within iRacing. I'm not, and I, I'm not sure if that's across the board, whether it's for R factor, for automobilista, for other, other types of uh, Sims. I, it seems that way, but it's not as pronounced maybe. Or it's not as it's not as serious, of course. Like F one, because F one's also doing their thing, but theirs is on based on a on a, a console yeah. game. Uh, but the but the thing is, it's it, I. Do you also think that in terms of the competition aspect, and when you consider the cup side, just because that's what we where that's where we became friends and and have talked mostly about uh the level of competition from a you know timmy hill garrett smithley will byron who are really you know legitimately good of course ty majeski another one chase briscoe those guys relative to the newbies there is a huge gap there is definitely a huge gap in not only experience, but the ability to manipulate the car and finesse it so that it actually works within the computer uh, simulation versus what they're used to. And has it to you affected the way that, that you look at the game in terms of, or is it just, did make sense because it's a lack of experience or, or not a, not really understanding what it needs because you mentioned that with Joseph Newgarden and how you have to drive. Yeah, the car. I mean, I think you know some of the veterans that have uh, been around for you know a while, like Kyle Busch, uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Clint Boyer, the guys like that. Who I think you know they've all played at iRacing at some point, but you know they're not regular uh, players like William Byron or Timmy Hill, and I you know that's kind of what separates you know, those guys and makes it seem, I guess, abnormal that, you know, guys who aren't, you know, mm -hmm. relatively successful in the real world are doing a lot better is just because they know how to play the game. They know the differences. And, you know, the, I think maybe guys like Jimmy Johnson are still kind of attacking the game like they would in real life. And while, um, you know, there are, there are similarities, you know, there's a lot of, you know, very subtle differences in, in, in the sim that, um, you know, don't translate as well, you know, and that's, you know, like I said, like, you know, Jamie Johnson probably, you know, he's a seven time champ, you know, he knows how to, you know, get behind the wheel of a race, race car and, and make it work. And um, it doesn't, you know, maybe it, it doesn't a hundred percent translate in the sim. Yeah. I mean, he is for him. I think also when we consider Jimmy's career, I mean, this, was supposed to be his last uh, cup series season. And one of the first things he was going to do post retirement was drive an Indy car. And he's made two uh, he's made two uh, cameo appearances uh, in an Indy car. And as the first one didn't work out so well, at Watkins Glen, the second race at, at uh, Barber, he, he did well. And the fact is he's angling himself. And I think that's something I think him and Fernando Alonso, the two of them together are going to figure out something that 
probably hasn't really been discussed because I think they both they're in that world. You know, when you can say we think about racing and you think about those it people, and those two guys have gotten along and they've been able they play off each other because they know they they are both in the same level. They're like, yeah. I respect you because you are so good at what you do that it's unbelievable. But I know then it's vice versa. But also when they switch the cars, they understand what it takes, but they're also capable of doing that. The point is for that, what I'm trying to make is I think Jimmy is more focused on iRacing to drive an Indy car than he is to drive a stock car. His sim was set up to drive an Indy car or a sports car more than it was a stock car initially. Of course, there's adjustability and all that stuff when it comes to the Sims, uh, which he was able to do the most recent race that they had a couple weeks ago. Uh, But I think for him, that was one thing. Kyle has been driving thousands of laps because he can't deal with losing. And he's actually not, he actually was pretty good that last race. Uh, you know, the guys like Kurt Busch, he's, he's atrocious, you know, like Clint Boyer. The only reason they have him on there is so he can sound like a, a moron and, and, and appeal to the LCD. Yeah. And he almost, and he almost got Bubba. I mean, Bubba didn't help himself, but he was an assistant in the whole process uh, with Bubba's whole deal at Bristol. Cause Clint hit everything, but the, but the pace car and the lottery. Uh, during that that pathetic race, um, I mean it's sim- it's similar to what happened at Michigan. The joke and it was trending during the Michigan IndyCar race. Yeah, the US they, the US five hundred was trending. Yeah, because they figured out a way. Everyone's watching. Everyone's looking forward to this. You have thirty one cars. You have June Bug showing up to race, and they went and just they just shit the bed right on the start, and they took out. Robbie Wickens, who for me personally and a lot of people uh, is such a big deal that he's there. But amongst a lot of people they took out, they took Robbie out. They took the whole field. I think Scott Dixon. Yeah, I think Scott Dixon yeah. rage quit. Um, that So, I mean, you consider that. And that's that's one thing. Like when we talk about these sim racing deals and the rigs and how how – you know, crazy and how much you can spend. You have Hamlin and how many thousand dollars he spent on his rig. And it's given a guy like Robert Wickens. It's given a guy like Kevin Swindell, who both have had severe injuries, the opportunity to not only race again, but be able to race with the people that they've been racing with for so long. And for that, I think there's as much benefit and gain and, and, uh, positive uh, to the product, and and it and it also is a good thing for us because for us racing fans, we thrive. Our season starts in January or February, depending on what racing fan you are. For me, it starts with you know the Chili Bowl and the Rolex, and it goes all the way till you know yeah, Formula One ends and. and around thanksgiving and that's that's something that that is a benefit that we have been given and because these networks not only fox but espn and all these other they need 
they need content and NBC, they all need content. So the fact is you're giving live product. You're also getting the real people to compete. And generally you're providing a decent product. The oval product is not great. I, I've, I venture to say that the oval product needs a lot of help. Uh, you cannot run a short track oval race at all. Uh, unless you have some person who's just going to let it go like dinner with racers and they're going to crash all the time and it is what it is or like the Monza race which had no cautions but the the, I mean the the, you talk about it you talk about it and now it's a thing where you look at YouTube there's people who are on YouTube like Jimmy and, and I respect him because now he's actually Eventually, once this starts up, he's going to be able to race an actual race car in the VLN at the Norch Lifa front front wheel drive Opel uh, Opa, Opel uh, Cup car. And so, I mean, he's going to be able to drive in that series for real. And that comes from, you know, being a sim racer. And if, but of course, he owns an R32 Skyline that Jan Mottenborough. Uh, he he bought it off the of young number of all people, so that's that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, I mean, for I mean, for it's it's. I think that I mean the the, the it's big big in the news because this is I this is where we're gonna go. And I mean, a few weeks ago it started this NASCAR thing. You mentioned it earlier, and it was a great point of how they've kind of made it a farce. I mean, but then it's yeah. Fox. They're used to doing that in multiple I mean, they're formats. They're doing what they do in real life, uh, you know, yeah. making it a joke, you know. And mm-hmm. NBC has been really good. Yeah. I yeah. think the last one that Michigan was fairly well done, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the IndyCar broadcast is always going to be better uh, because generally they're to the point and serious – uh, minus the fact that I don't really care for Paul Tracy, that he's a take it or leave it kind of guy, but you have you have Townsend Bell who's always going to give you the technical side. Lee Diffie is unbelievable. He'll give you what you need to know and he'll bring that excitement. You have they have a great pit group there, and Kevin Lee is a true professional. Uh, he's underemployed in a lot of ways. Uh, so they're going to give you the best of what they need there. Uh, the NASCAR broadcast, we talked about it offline in terms of what, or I may have posted it on the page, you know, and the NASCAR broadcast is overdone, uh, but they at least did a decent job with not only showing the racing, but also presenting the drivers and giving them an opportunity to kind of talk about themselves and talk about their sponsors and, do all that during their little short track challenge they had last week. Um, I thought it was a bit convoluted with having Latart being able to determine some of the drivers within the field when he's a Toyota and a Hendrick Homer. But, but you know, that's beside the point. I, I was going to the the thing with fox and where i was going to go isn't it this is big in terms of what we're dealing with here um minus the actual 
pandemic that we're having to deal with and how it's affecting our society. And um, just before I go into the question, I just thanks to all the people, the frontline people that are trying to keep us safe and doing what they can, whether they're hospital workers, the nurses, the doctors, the people that are there, but also first aid and fire and, you know, the other people are trying to keep us safe and um, people that are working in the stores to keep us food stocked and, and do what they can to make sure we can actually live while we're going through something that's insane. That is like being in the, being in the great depression or something, which is probably what's going to happen anyway. Um, what I wanted to ask you about what your thoughts were, Josh, about what happened with uh, Baba Wallace and that whole deal at Bristol, because the Bristol race was a clusterfuck. Uh, no matter, no matter what they want to say or do, it was an awful race. It was unwatchable. And there was a lot of stupidity that took place, but a lot of people focused on Bubba's situation uh, and how he, uh, they accused him of quitting. Uh, Clint Boyer did a lot of talking. I mean, I'm no fan of Clint Boyer as it is, but the way he kind of behaved and talked about Bubba on the telecast yeah. didn't help things. Uh, I wanted to ask you about what you thought about what that whole situation and how that all went. I mean, the fact is there was one reset, I think. They only had one reset for for that race. Bubba had already had to use it because he was in, buried in the field and used it, was coming up. Boyer's driving all over the racetrack because he's an idiot in a hillbilly, and he ran over Bubba, and that wrecked his car. So then at that point, he has no resets, no repairs. His car is damaged. He said yeah. no moss. But because he said no moss, it, and because of all the other aspects of it, plus the, the base, um, it became an international incident. So what were you thinking about that when it happened? And so then I as it's actually gone did on? not watch that race like in real time, but I've seen the, the highlight, you know, uh, Bubba getting wrecked by Clint Boyer and then, um, you know, rage quitting uh, shortly after that. You know, I think, I think he's right. Bubba is right that yeah. it's, you know, they're taking it too seriously. Um, Cause the reality is if that were me in that situation, um, which, which has happened before, I, I've done what Clint's done and I've done what Bubba's done. Uh, you know, if you get wrecked like that, like three times in a row, I think that's how many times he had gotten wrecked overall, like in a short period, you know, you're going to quit, mm -hmm. you know, that's the reality of it. I think most sim racers would, would have just, you know, quit the game and said, I'm out, you know, or gone and done something else. And, you know, like, so Bubba, you know, from that matter, he knows that, you know, it's not really that serious, you know, and on the other side, you know, we have, you know, a guy like Clint Boyer, who um, is also not taking it seriously um, from the perspective of, you know, he's just out there to crash people. Uh, you know, we have a lot of that in iRacing and that's, you know, I talked about some of the problems in iRacing and that's another problem that um, exists in iRacing is uh, the fact that, you know, how, how they rank up drivers and how they penalize drivers is that, you know, sometimes they, they uh, don't enforce the rules correctly. And, you know, at that point, um, 
they should have, I, I guess iRacing should have ejected Clint Boyer for, for doing that, but he just got past mm-hmm. all of that because, you know, he's on the Fox broadcast and, you know, so yeah. that's, you know, something, you know, that what you do, and I guess we'll talk about that with the Larson thing here in a minute, is that what you do in the sim yeah. is now having uh, real life uh, ramifications. Um, you know, some of it is justified and some of it isn't, you know, and I think, uh, Blue MU, the sponsor for Bubba Wallace, was, you know, they're, I think they're trying to find a way out. And I don't think they understand sim racing um, yeah. as well. And, uh, you know, they're obviously, you know, they're sponsoring the Mounds of Madness race uh, on Sunday. And I, you know, I think they're just trying to um, get as much, uh, as much profit as they can, uh, you know, because of the situation we're in. But, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think they fully understand sim racing. And you know how how um, boomer bust I guess it can be. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I I also the, when you reference the fact that they kind of wanted an out, you consider Landing Castle, and Landing Castle is is for all intents and purposes, he's a great dude. He is one of the most underrated guys in the sport right now, but he's he's like. I called Johnson this on the page and um, on the Facebook page, uh, you know, but, but Landon Castle's a cake eater. You know, he's PC, he's, he's whole wheat, you're, he's white bread. You're not going to get anything really controversial out of him. He's a nice guy. He appeals to a massive audience. He wears skinny jeans. He's a, he's a vegan all i mean whatever there's all kinds of stuff with 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 landing castle but the guy can drive a race car and blue emu had their deal with him so the fact of the matter is you're you're trying to deal with two different guys you've talked about bubba who is a who's great with social um you know his bff is is ryan blaney and he he has a following and he understands social media and he understands the good and the bad of it just based on his own life. And so Blue Emu was using that, but they're leveraging the fact that they're connected to Mr. The King. Uh, for those that haven't watched Cars, that's Richard Petty. Uh, and he's, that's a personal sponsor for him. So when you think about it and you go into deeper detail, the fact is they're not really sponsoring Bubba. They're sponsoring the king. And if the king goes and calls them and says, hey, I want, I don't care. I, my driver did what he had to do in that spot. And the fact is we're, we have a deal. And that deal says you're going to put your name on my car. The fact is Blue Emu is probably going to be on that car. Uh whether it's an associate sponsorship, it's not a full sponsorship, but it's an associate sponsorship. It is what it is. They're going to be on that car. Uh, when it comes to Landon Castle, I think he's going to be able to leverage Blue Emu to make make it so that he can actually run more Xfinity races for Morgan Shepard. Uh, hopefully, for his case, for his sake, he can drive a cup car. You know, like that's probably he probably might get to a restrictor plate race and run or a road course race. And in that sense, that's fine. But the way that 
Blue Emu handled that whole situation, it almost looked like a publicity stunt. It yeah. almost looked like a wrestling work. How they wanted to use Bubba's reaction to something that most people who play Sims or, uh, you know, thinking about playing video games and when crap goes wrong, you just, I toss, I've tossed controllers and I've gotten pissed and it's like, what the heck's the point? That's what it is. You can't, this is not, there's no points involved. There's no real, I don't, I think there might be some sort of donation. I don't think so. I know for IndyCar there is, or I think there is. You have to keep it in perspective here. And it's, this is where the discussion, of course, gets a little crazy once uh, we get past this particular topic. But for Bubba, he's not a sim guy. Uh, he's, he's a relative novice. But then he did pretty well on the World of Outlaw deal last Wednesday, and he was able to actually speak and defend himself while while the squawking rooster who's going to be the new... I mean, the point is, let's be honest, Boyer knows he's not going to have a driving job next year, and he's going to the booth. So he's they were already... Fox had already signed him to do all that, so he's going and trying out so him and Jeffy can learn how to play off each other and doing all that. So he's screaming and acting up like he's the new Daryl Walter. That's what he is. He's like a combination yeah. of Daryl and Michael. That's what he is. So that's what they're going to have on TV. And that's what we're going to have next year. Let's just, I, I, they should just save everybody trouble, open up that seat, which would then lead into what we're going to talk and talk about. But, you know, because Boyer hasn't been relevant since 2013 anyway. The only reason he has a ride with Tony is because he's friends with Tony because that car is basically only 20% funded, I think, 25% funded. The rest of it is coming out of pocket between Tony and Gene. Uh, so you want to have somebody that can actually bring sponsorship. You want somebody that can actually win because Kevin Harvick, ever since he's been there, has won. Uh, of course, he's the only car that's ever really been truly fully funded. Uh, and he's also legitimately good, minus the fact he's a douche. But um, it, it goes, it's it speaks to reason like you could, when you're, when you're talking about these sim racing deals and running over people doing all this stupid shit and then you're laughing about it, acting like it's funny, it's not. The point is, if it's going to be for fun, then go and put, you know, hey, we're just going to have a demo derby and call it a day. If you're trying to actually run an actual race, then run it like an actual race. And if you're going to drive around like a dope, then get out of the seat. That's what I've been saying on social media. The fact is you have Chase Briscoe sitting there who is perfectly fine, knows how to drive Sims, and he's really good. And more than likely is going to be his Quinn Porter's replacement. Let him drive the car. Is it really hurt the brand if Chase Briscoe is driving that car? No, because he's going to be up front. It makes more sense for the guy to be up front, and because Fox only shows the people that are in the top five anyway, than it is for him running over every hitting everything but the lottery. But that's common sense, and, you know, most people in this world don't have common sense. That's why we are where we are. Uh, and speaking of not having common sense, uh, the controversy that came from the Landing Castle Monza race wasn't the race itself. Some uh, 
uh, NASCAR iRacing guy won it. I was hoping Tommy Joe Martins would have won because one of my friends on uh, Facebook and Twitter works for Tommy Joe Martins, and he had a great Kyle Petty uh, Hot Wheels scheme. Yeah, but the the controversy that came from the practice where uh, during the during the practice before the qualifying before everything really got going during in the open chat uh, Kyle Larson drive former driver of the number 42 in the NASCAR Cup series uh, said a derogatory term I'm not going to say it uh, because I have common sense. Uh, he said a term, why he said it, and all that. I'm going a little detail. I'm going to go off in a little bit of a rant, Josh, and I apologize, but it's my show, so it's whatever. <laughs> you remember yeah. that from the NASCAR days. So um, he said something that was derogatory, and when you look at the reactions of uh, both Connor Daly and Joseph Newgarden, who have their own personal streams, and then other people were posting it, and then that's where our conversation actually got going on Sunday itself, uh, which is why I had the idea of Will us going and doing the show here this week. Um, the the what happened? He raced. Uh, Kyle Larson raced and it blew up on Twitter and then it went to Facebook and it went 15 hours because he said it around 9, 15, 9 o'clock Eastern time, somewhere around there. Uh, And he didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they they were practicing. They were doing all kinds of pre-race stuff and they – he let it lie for 15 hours before addressing it. But by that point, Chip Ganassi had suspended him. NASCAR had suspended him pending him doing some sensitivity training. And then, and then the, the anvils started dropping the acne anvil started dropping sponsorship wise, uh, credit one bank, McDonald's, Clover, all dropped them. Uh, two of them, I, they said they weren't going to sponsor him, but they may be willing to come back uh, with somebody else. Take that for what you will. Uh, and then, you know, it's come to where we're doing this show on Tuesday evening, uh, start at 7P, and uh, Kyle Larson now is not uh, driving in the Cup Series anymore. He doesn't have a job. He got fired by uh, Chip Ganassi uh, for using a derogatory term on the open chat. Now, there's, there's for me as a journalist, I'd, I'd love to be able to get Kyle Larson on. I, probably, I never will, but uh, I would love to ask him what prompted that comment what what why who was he referencing uh why would he use that word through other people that i know within the 
ranks and within social media and going and spreading stuff and just his own comments too. Um, it, it comes back to this. It's simply this for me. You can't say that word. There's no reason to have that word in your mind. Um, there's no reason for you to utilize that word. Um, justifying the usage of that word and wanting him to be saved and act like it is okay makes you just as useless or dumb as him. Uh, the fact is there's no reason that Kyle Larson should be saying that word under any circumstances for any reason. Uh, he should have the semblance of, you know, just a little semblance, a kernel of intelligence to be able to sit there and not click on an open chat and say that word. There's all kinds of cuss words. There's all kinds of things that could be kind of like glazed over. That's not one of them. And fundamentally, it, 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 it it's for me personally, it's like, it, I'm not surprised. Uh, because he made a joke about this whole our current situation weeks before it started. It got really, really serious. Like a week or two before he made a comment about, oh, yeah, it's just like the flu. And so the fact is he already set the tone uh, by playing off the whole coronavirus situation. And that pissed me off. This thing was kind of like icing on the cake. And the fact that he's an ignoramus, he's not a very smart guy. You listen to the guy talk. He's not a smart guy. He, there isn't a whole lot going on in his mind. If the guy couldn't drive a race car well, he'd be pushing carts at Ralph's. He'd be working at Rico's, he'd be working at yeah. Rico's Vineyard going and pulling grapes. Let, let, let's, let's be completely honest about it. I don't know what you think, Josh. I'll let you go and say what you want about it. But for me... In terms of Larson, people want the people that are apologizing for him are the same people that wanted Bubba Walls to lose his ride. And for those people, go fuck yourself. Number two, the fact is Bubba Walson, what he did was what gaming and what thing is what we talked about here earlier within the show. What Kyle Larson said doesn't come off. You're not that's not supposed to come off smoothly unless there's a real defect and he can apologize all he wants. And there are plenty of people that don't, that are into that sort of thing and may sponsor him and God bless him. But the fact of the matter is he's not going to be a NASCAR because NASCAR has their own thing and that's its own separate entity. And I'll go into that here in a moment. But what, when you heard, when you heard what he said, and then what were your initial thoughts about that? Uh, and what the reaction that has come from what they oh, call yeah, both I mean, sides. Like, for me, uh, like when I saw issue. that, you know, I was, uh, I was like, wow, did he really just say that? You know, um, so I was, you know, surprised, you know, I kind of had the same reaction that uh, Connor Daly had, you know, they were like, oh no, oh no, he, he did not just say that. Yikes. You know, uh, that was kind of what I thought, but you know, for me, like it's disappointing to hear him use that word. Um, and I've thought about this a lot, you know, the last couple of days, you know, he's, we, we don't know him personally. We don't know if he's, uh, 
you know, what his actual viewpoints are. I don't think he's smart. Uh, like he, what you said. Um, and I think the mistake yeah. that he made is, well, yeah. is, you know, he, he pressed the, you know, the wrong channel, the wrong button. That was the mistake he made because he was going to say it anyways. Um, so yeah. it's in his vocabulary. Yeah. Um, you know, whether he actually, you know, uses that word um, mm -hmm. in the, you know, the sense that most people hear that or think that when they hear that, you know, in a derogatory manner, um, we, you know, we don't know. Only his, you know, only his wife knows and his close family know, like, what he says in private and what he views in private. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people uh, in, you know, in the video game world, you know, whether it's iRacing or you know, Call of Duty or even, you know, things like Madden, you know, um, they use these words, uh, not necessarily because they're, you know, they uh, view other people, you know, negatively, but, you know, they just don't care and they, you know, think it's funny or, you know, they, they try to use it as a, as a joke, uh, you know, to say just, you know, to, you know, get some kind of response or elicit some kind of reaction, you know, and it, you know, it doesn't matter whether, you know, you view, um, black people negatively, whether you're a racist or not, or you're, you know, just, you know, trying to be, I guess, edgy, uh, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't be in your vocabulary. And that's like kind of what I've been thinking about the last couple of days, you know, and it's unbelievable that he said that, you know, and it's ironic because, you know, he came up through uh drive through diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think he would have made it to NASCAR um, without that. Um, it's just that drive for diversity was the path of least resistance for him. You know, and he's, he's a Japanese, he's second generation Japanese American. You know, his mom or his grandparents are Japanese and you know, his mom's, uh, you know, Japanese, you know, and that was when, when he first came up to NASCAR, you know, that was one of the things that I kind of identified with him because I liked him too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a Filipino American. My mom's Filipino. Yeah. My dad's um, is a white guy, American, and um, you know that was like one of the things I identified with was you know that I thought it was cool that uh, a Japanese um, American guy w was able to make it to NASCAR and you know, compete at the highest level and win races. And I mean, it's not a, a big point for me, but you know, it was, I, yeah. I thought it was always like um, one little cool thing that I I could identify with. And, you know, he wasn't like one of my favorite drivers, but, you know, still, I, I liked seeing him win and, you know, doing well and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, now, you know, now he's ruined his career and um, I'm not sure if he's actually going to come back or not. Um, you know, he's definitely, you know, the apology, I don't think it was good enough. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to have to do some, some real work, you know, to show that, you know, one that, you know, this is a, you know, it's not going to happen again. And other thing is that, you know, that he, you know, doesn't hold any um, racist views or anything against any other type of people. Uh, and, you know, that he, he's not going to use that word um, as just, you know, regular slang, like how we would use, um, you know, other, other words that, you know, are viewed as cuss words, but aren't, you know, viewed negatively like the N word. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny because we're on the. I mean, uh, take. I mean, I'm gonna go and put a, put a post up there. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the guys. You are too. Stock our news notes and media critiques on Facebook. Michael Sanders runs a page where you you 
you have to have, you know, in some ways you have to thick skin, but in other ways you just have to be able, you have to know your stuff. And when it comes to the reactions and how it's being handled, you kind of see it's kind of the culture, you know, divide. And for us, we're younger guys. I mean, you're much, you're at least 10 years younger than me, not more, but we're younger generation uh, relative to the typical NASCAR fan. Um, the, the whole point and you made a lot of good points there in terms of why is that in your vocabulary number one but number two why would you say it in an open forum whether he screwed up or not number three why wouldn't you immediately like back yourself out of the race go and call your pr person and like literally like the if he actually was mature and had any semblance of intelligence and wanted to save himself he would have gotten out of that race, called Landon and said, I just fucked up and I'm going to back out. I have to save my ass and go and, and, and do some other thing. And, and that's, that's one, num- one piece. Uh, another piece is how people associate him, but then also his, his spouse and her, her, her uh, brother, who is the uh, current World of Outlaws champion and that whole family, that whole thing, and just thinking about World of Outlaws and kind of that whole deal, which is its own separate discussion. But you, you you think about, I mean, with Larson, you know, he's an Asian American. I'm an Asian American myself. I I rooted for him when he came along because it was just cool. I, I just loved his nickname, Young Money. Uh, the way they spelled it and the whole thing. Because the dude could drive a race car, and he still can. That hasn't gone away. Uh, fundamentally, uh, whatever comes of this for him, his driving talent isn't going to go away. But the amount of help he's going to need PR-wise and the amount of work that he needs to do to repair his image uh, is, is huge. Um, it's, it's, it's not akin to Tiger because Tiger was, is, is an iconic figure. He was basically Michael Jordan 2.0. Uh, but he's, he has a sexual, he has a sex addiction. Um, and you know, that, that was, that was his main defect amongst other many defects that he had. But with, with Larson, it was literally saying and slipping. Uh, but that the, 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 my, what bothers me is that he said the word itself and that was in his vocabulary and it didn't, it wasn't hard. That's, that's the thing. And then the second thing that bothers me is the fact that he didn't address it. Um, if he had addressed it immediately, and said, I meant to put it in this page and I hit the wrong button or I hit the wrong page and it's wrong that I said this. I do not believe it. Like if he literally within 10 by, by 10, a, 10 p.m., I think he gets suspended. I don't think that it goes to the point where he loses his job. The fact that he did this weak apology that you know, the, you know, the, the 
boomer crew is willing to accept and oh there's social justice warriors and all this other thing. I mean like here's the thing. It's not about social justice warriors, it's not about any of that. And it shouldn't be a political thing either. Everything has become political because of Orange Aid and his stupidity. Here's the thing. He said a dumb thing in an open forum that thousands of people have heard. In the end, there are repercussions for doing bad things for everybody in this world, even people who are somewhat famous. So he lost his effing job. In the end, if you or I said what he said, we're losing our effing job. It's, it's a product of life. And fundamentally for Kyle Larson, he's never really had it that hard. So now he's getting humbled. And, you know, like the Iron Cheek, I'm going to humble you and I'm going to fuck you. And he, he got fucked in the ass. And fundamentally, now he has to go and get up and he has to go and show us what kind of person he really is. And where will that be? Probably in a World of Outlaws car. Um, eventually, uh I figure Tony Stewart, uh, the all-star circuit of champions, uh, probably will be somewhere where he'll be able to show uh, his talents because he has money saved, I would hope, and he'd be able to fund out his uh, racing team and fund uh, his own sprint car to go and show what kind of talent he has and convince some people that he's not the kind of guy that would say that word on a regular basis and eventually kind of transition into that next step of his career, which is what, for for all intents and purposes, he wanted to do. Uh, Tony famously, you know, ran NASCAR for as long as he did to kind of go and make sure he could go and have fun later in his career, which is what Ken Trader has done and other people have. Uh, it worked out in Tony's case that he had enough clout that he could convince manufacturers to back him. And now he's still involved in NASCAR and the ownership side. Um, he also owns racing series and tracks. The thing with Larson is his heroes, he, he, he was a Jeff Gordon fan, of course, but he's a Steve Kinzer fan. And he wanted to break Steve Kinzer's records. And, you know, Steve Kinzer is a 20-time World of Outlaws champion. Steve Kinzer has won more Knoxville Nationals than anybody. And through him napalming himself in this way, he indirectly uh, went and put himself down this different path. And now he has to repair his image. He has to repair a lot of things, but he's also at a very young age, knowing that when you drive world of outlaw sprint cars, considering the legends, the Kinzers, Sammy Swindells, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You got Dave Blaney and, and um, Dale Blaney, the other, other legendary figures. They're racing into their fifties and sixties. Larson's going to be able to uh, rehab his image if he if he truly wants to, uh, and he's going to be able to rehab his image doing what he does best, which is driving on dirt. 
Um, for as good as he may have been in a in a cup car, which he was all right, he's unbelievable on a, in a dirt sprint car, in a dirt midget car. He won the he finally won the Chili Bowl this year. The fact is, it's a bad thing. He shouldn't have said it. He shouldn't have done this. Uh, people that want to go and apologize for it and make that okay, but we're, we're the same people that want to go and attack Bubba Wallace can go and eat a dick and die. But the reality is, unlike Bubba Wallace, there is a fallback measure for Kyle Larson. And there's it, not only is that fallback measure a good fallback measure, he might be better. He is better on his fallback measure than he would have ever been in cup. I believe, I mean, I don't know what you thought, Josh, but I thought he was going to go and end up driving the 14 car or the 10 car uh, in 2021 more than likely uh, before he did what he did. Uh, Chase Briscoe was going to drive the other car and he was going to, Tony was going to start building his super team uh, but Larson kind of decided he didn't want to do that. And, uh, but I do think that he's going to be able to do what in the end he wants to do, which is drive a sprint car and go and live the life that he wants to live because his brother-in-law is Brad Sweet. His best, one of his best friends in the world is Rico Abreu who got hosed by NASCAR and hosed by the whole system. So he gets to be with them in the end, whether they we have to go and start doing some investigations out that way, but he gets to be with the people that he's closest to and understand him for who he is. And he gets to do that. So in that sense, I guess for him, even though he's lost this huge deal, it's a pot. It, it, it could work out for him. I don't know what you think, but it, it could work out in the long run. It, the short term is, is not good. The short, the short term is not pretty, but the long term could work out. I don't know what you think in terms of his prospects. Yeah. So uh, what, for his you know, what I think racing is, career, uh, you know, I, I agree in the short term, you know, you're not going to see him in cup for a while. Um, if he decides to go back into the cup, it will probably be maybe uh, a year or two down the road, maybe even three years. Uh, it's probably going to be with one of the smaller teams, definitely. And um, uh, I don't know who will sponsor him um, if that happens. But you know, I think it you know it probably works out for him better. Um, it's just he's probably not going to have that uh, big stream of income that is NASCAR with um, not only with the contracts and the uh, the purses uh, and all, all prize money and all that, but also the sponsorships and things like that, that, you know, help bring in income for him. Uh, but, you know, he's ultimately going to do what he likes best, which is dirt, like you said. And, you know, the other thing um, that you talked about or that, you know, you didn't mention is the fact that, you know, if he just goes and races in dirt, you know, he's not going to deal with all the bullshit that NASCAR, uh, you know, has done in the last, you know, 20 years. He doesn't have to deal with the uh, chase or playoffs or whatever it's called doesn't have to deal with uh, the rule changes um, or anything like that. And, you know, you can just go, it's just going to be more about racing. So it may actually work out better for him.
Yeah, and, and I mean, there. I've been doing, you know, through this last couple of days, kind of trying to, I've heard some things or read some things, deep diving uh, in terms of where, what he deals with and where he comes from and how limited uh, he probably is. Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is for Larson, he has to figure out a way um, to go and rebuild himself and, and show that he's not an ignoramus, though I don't know how he's really going to do that. Uh, not between his social media and between who he hangs out with, uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, and Ricky Stenhouse, uh, they, amongst other people, it, it's hard for me to, uh, believe that it isn't something that is more deeply uh, ingrained and shows that there's a fundamental uh, problem. But for him now, he doesn't have to worry about being a NASCAR because he's not going to be there unless he's going to go and drive for Rick Ware or uh, Jay Robinson or something like that. And I don't think that he's going to drive one of those uh, loads um, around a racetrack in, in, in cop or Xfinity for that matter. And that's, it's a shame really, because in terms of the kind of talent and in terms of the kind of ability, if he had been with a really good team, because Chip Ganassi doesn't give a crap about NASCAR. That's the that's another piece to this that people are ignoring. Chip Ganassi is an indie car guy. Chip Ganassi is a sports car guy. Chip Ganassi doesn't give a crap about NASCAR. He has a NASCAR team because the fact is Chevy provides him support, and he's been able to develop enough sponsorship or build enough sponsorship to go and hold on and run two teams. And because uh, that asshole that used to own MWR um, made the RTA, uh, Rob Kaufman. He has two charters, which is no better than what Ricky Rudd or Bill Elliott or Jeff Bodine or insert driver who became an owner. You're selling your stuff on pennies on the dollar. It ain't worth jack crap. Because the fact is, when you consider the Martin Truex and the 7018 Furniture Row, were championship level for three years running and they sold that charter for, I don't know how much to a freaking PR firm. And that team's a starting park. It tells you how valuable charters are. They aren't valuable at all. So Chip Ganassi is there. He's he's, but he understands the face of it. Considering Chip Ganassi's history where he generally doesn't go with American drivers. The fact that he went in, with Larson and was his backer and didn't any and target left and all these things. He screwed it. The point is for, for Ganassi to back him as somebody who's not a big American driver guy and, and give him the years and let him wreck as many race cars he did and all that. It's for him to do what he did. He, he, bombed himself out of that deal. Chip Ganassi was never going to let him go. 
the only way Kyle Larson was going to ever lose or leave Ganassi was if he did it himself. Ganassi was never going to let him go because he knew that if the best, if Kyle Larson ever comes good, he's like Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart combined, which is what he is at his best. Minus the speaking, of course. He's Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart combined. But he's a moron. Yeah. So we are where we are. Um, and it's it's a shame, but hey, it's consequences of life. There's other people that need to pay these similar consequences, but we're, we don't have that sort of control. Uh, Kyle Larson has never really... I don't think had to deal with the kind of consequences that he's having to deal with right now. And it, it's a life changing circumstance. It's a good thing. He has a wife and he has two kids and, you know, he has good family, he has family and all that, and he'll be able to eventually recover. Uh, once this ends, whenever this ends, um, and he'll be able to go and, and, apologize by winning a lot of races and i figure that's what's going to happen and i figure in time not immediately not within the next year but i think over a period of 10 15 20 years people are going to look back at this and it's going to be the start of something for larson where he's like well i made my career in NASCAR and I made a lot of money there and I made a terrible mistake going and saying what I said and whether he truly believes it or not I don't want to go into that I I, I have my feelings but it started me on the path where I was supposed to be and which is driving for myself and driving world of outlaws and chasing you know, the records of Steve Kinzer and Donnie Schatz and, and all the legends that uh, the Sammy Swindells and Doug Wolf gangs and Dave Blaney's and, you know, uh, you know, the, all the other greats that have driven in the series, uh, Brad Doty's and, and that's probably what, what he hopes happens and what I think will happen. Um, for his sake, I figure that's what uh, what he needs. Um, on another note, just before we oh, end uh, we tonight's episode, I don't know how much time. You still have a little time? You're free? Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to go transition to something a little, you know, less serious, a little less um, uh, severe. Going in the NFL draft, of course, Next this uh, the draft will be uh, coming up next Thursday. So, first round of the draft, and Josh is a diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Um, I'm sorry for you. It's got to be brutal. It's the way that I felt for I felt for basically the better part of the last 20 years. Um, get outside of a few like pockets as a 49er fan. And so as, as a Jacksonville fan, what are you thinking in terms of what's the direction? Cause you just traded away Nick Foles. 
uh, you're basically means you're going all in with Gardner Minshew. Uh, there's there's a lot of moving. There's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of needs you guys have. What is what do you think is the direction uh, going into that first round on a week from uh, Thursday? Really in terms of a, what they're uh, going to pick, I think. I think they're they might go either wide receiver, uh, offensive tackle, or um, if none of those are there, maybe defensive tackle. Uh, I've heard on defensive tackle, I've heard they're interested in uh, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. Uh, offense offensive tackle, I think maybe uh, I think his name's Tristan Wirfs or whatever. He's the offensive lineman from uh, Iowa and. Wide receiver, I'm not really sure any any of the uh, top guys there because yeah. there's a lot of wide receivers that are really good. Um, if I were them, I don't know. Uh, it's really hard because they've got they've got two picks. You know, I've never had that um, as in my time as a fan of of the Jaguars. Never have we had uh, two first round picks, um, and so I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. Uh, and I've heard rumors that you know they. They may, uh, if uh, Tua Tagalavoa is there, they may grab him, uh, which would be really interesting. Yeah, that's and that'd be interesting too because uh, what do you call when it comes to uh, Minshew yeah, like was teammates with Tua at Alabama uh, before for like a month or two before uh, Minchu ended up transferring to go with uh, with the wild with the wild card that is Mike Leach who's already offended people down in the SEC which is something to say cuz you can't offend anybody down in the SEC there you t- it takes a special person to offend people down there but anyway the fact is um, I mean you have the one pick you have the number 9 pick but how the number 20 so- the 20th number twenty, you got. Uh, how did you Jalen end up Ramsey getting that one? All the way back in, yeah, yeah. The L.A. Ramses is I, I joke. Okay, back then. Uh, yeah, the L.A. Rams. Uh, all right, yeah. Well, actually, if you want a, a little side note, you know, Blake yeah. Bortles is on the the or was on the Rams too. So you got the the Blake and the L.A. in the middle of that, and then the Rams, the Ramses. But you know, anyways, that's my, that was my little joke back then. But uh, yeah, you know. Um, I don't know what we'll do there. Um, I do think, though, that they'll probably um, they'll probably trade uh, one of their picks. They're either going to trade up, um, depending on who they like, or if um, by the time you know they get there or close to their pick, and the guys that they have at the top of their board or their draft board are are not there, maybe they might trade down uh, um, or something like that. Um, but I'm not really sure. Um, I think maybe at the twentieth pick, uh, depending on. Um, who's left or, or if they still have that pick, maybe they'll go with CJ Henderson uh, from Florida, my alma mater. Uh, um, that, that might be a good pick um, or, you know, potentially mm-hmm. um, they go with uh, Jeff Okuda from Ohio state. If, um, if uh, decide to, yeah. Well, not well, the that 20th, would need a, but like if need they, to have a miracle to have him drop up, all the way. You know, to a little all over that but like if they decided to trade up with their first uh, pick that they have you know maybe maybe they'll go draft him that you know that's another guy but yeah they definitely definitely have a lot of holes 
Um, and I think, I think what the goal needs to be is to me, I think they should yeah. uh, stick with Minshew for 2020 at least and try to build a team around him and go out and see w- what they can do. Um, I don't know how many games that uh, they would win. Uh, probably not a lot considering the current state of the team. Um, if, if the season in, even ends up happening. Uh, uh, but, yeah. you know, they if, if, if they can be on offense, if they can be at least competitive and, you know, uh, at least be competent for once, uh, I think that'd be a, a big improvement. Um, you know, and if, you know, they can at least stop the run on defense and allow us or allow Derrick Henry to not run all over us and demoralize us, uh, you know, whenever we play the Titans, then I think that'd be fine too. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not, I mean, to be honest, I'm not too high on the Jags. Um, you know, I'm with the recent, you know, it's not only just like the moves that they made, the moves that they made actually have been decent considering that they had a lot of, uh, high priced free agents that, that, um, they weren't going to be able to keep and that they probably had to let go uh, because of the salary cap and also because those guys were kind of getting old. Um, and you would have expected them to still have guys like Jalen Ramsey and Unique and Gakwe and stuff, who I think they'll probably trade, by the way, too. They're, that's probably going to happen. And I actually uh, just saw them, I think, earlier today. They um, they might trade him during the draft, and apparently there might be like a uh, a deal that's already been agreed to, but you know it's just not going to happen until the draft occurs. Uh, but you know they they also have the uh, thing with London uh, that they're going to play a second game, and pretty much all the Jaguars fans that I know on social media and in real life, they're sad to see it and they don't agree with it. And you know with with this whole pandemic, it may not actually happen, uh, which would be ironic. But you know um, a lot of a lot of people are are upset about that. And, you know, the one thing that I think that will change that is if they can start winning games and if they, you know, the first step to doing that is to play better. And so hopefully with uh, the picks that they have, they can infuse uh, some young talent and go out and start um, at least competing and getting, uh, getting those W's. 